What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to season two of the Real Spill podcast. We have a packed house as usual. Donald Watts in the house. D, man, what is up? Oh, man, same old, same old. Just working hard, grinding, working with these kids. Uh, you know, excited. College basketball is going to start. We got a bunch of our, our, our players out there, uh, you know, for their second, third, fourth seasons. And then we got some some kids that are starting their new seasons. And, and, and then high school basketball is underway. So we got kids that we're gearing up for that. And, and, hey, and then on the youth side of things, I brought my guy, uh, Deron Woods, who runs our program on the youth side of things. Uh, so we're just excited, man. It's an exciting time of the year. Uh, my Husky Nation over there. We got some new energy over there. I've been over there checking that out. We'll talk about that on another podcast. But I think we got what, big things to come. Um, for UW, it's going to take a while. Uh, but but it, definitely a positive energy, a great energy over there. Uh, so it's just, you know, it's basketball season, man. It's not a better time of the year to be starting up the second season of The Real Spill. I'm excited about it. Now, you did shout out the man that's responsible for a lot of the work that you got going on. So go ahead and speak on the mic, sir. Oh, what's up? What's up? How's everybody doing out there? Uh, just excited to be on here for the first time, you know, talk about a lot of things that we got going on with the youth program. We got, got a lot of kids about to start up their season, you know, just putting in the work with them, uh, getting them getting them ready, and just, uh, just blessed and excited to be here. That's awesome. I can't complain. But for those that don't know, this show is sponsored by – Watts basketball, as Donald gives me that look like, yeah, boy. Get it right. <laughs> so check out wattsbasketball.com. That's W-A-T-T-S basketball.com for information regarding upcoming Veteran Day Clinic and Holiday Hoop Camp. Your kids are going to build confidence, self-esteem, and basketball skills to score big on the court and in life. But we got to kick things off, man. This has been a busy off season. And now the NBA season has it's been – I think we're, we're in our second week right now. And the trades that have happened, players going different places. I remember, what was it, our, I guess, mid-season form of the podcast, we did an episode called Loyalty and how players weren't, quote-unquote, being as loyal. They're going – they're leaving what they were brought in on these teams to do and they're basically throwing it all away and going to a different team. As in Kevin Durant, for example, he joined the Golden State Warriors, became an NBA champion. This year – Tons of other athletes did basically the same thing. They were traded. Kyrie Irving, he wanted out of Cleveland for multiple reasons, which Donald and I discussed on previous episodes. He got his, he got his wish. <laughs> He's in Boston right now. He's running the show. He's actually proven to be a point guard. He His first game, he put up 10 assists, which I personally was – I didn't know if he was going to be able to do that, but he did it. And now you look at this Boston team. They're 5-2. and two. You also have – OKC, they got new faces. Carmelo Anthony, or Hoodie Mello, as they might call him. He's he's now has a chance to be winning again. He hasn't he's been in a dark space oh. for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let, let me correct you on that. He had a chance to win where he was at. He but wasn't patient though. His attitude. That his, too. His attitude was preventing him. You saw I mean New York is doing fine. Better. Without, without him. him. Porzingis. Right? So, you know, and I I'll go back to when when he was traded from Denver. When uh, they asked George Call about that trade, George Call said, "He said, what do you, you know, how do you feel about the Carmelo Anthony trade?'" And George Call's comment was that, uh, "We sure miss Chauncey Billups." <laughs> well, I think that's what you need to say on that. <laughs> and, and 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 you know, a lot of these players are such great players, skill wise, um, but are not willing to do 
the things to include others or take personal responsibility for the wins and losing wins and losses. They like to blame others. And we'll get into that a little later, but I think Carmelo Anthony is definitely one of those guys um, that plays in the box that he feels like he should, you know, as a, as a scorer or whatever, but it's not willing to really step up and consistently do the other things that it takes uh, to win, being a playmaker, defending, and, you know, all of those kind of things. But <clears throat> Yeah, the list goes on. I'm not going to say better name every player that was traded, but right. there are some blockbuster things that went down. Last person I want to mention is Chris Paul because he actually – he left the Clippers because of his situation. And the Clippers are better right and now. And the Clippers are better. So, in, in an instance, we are able to name two teams that lose, quote-unquote, their marquee players, their franchise tag players, and now they're struggling with their new team. But the old team, they're riding high. Yeah, I mean, and I think that, you know, they, they lost guys that are ball-dominant, that micromanage the game, and Chris Paul. Uh, same thing in Carmelo Anthony. Offensively, like he wants that ball to come his way every time, and when it gets there, it stops. And so it, it, it can become difficult uh, to know what your role is or or to play with them with, with that kind of guy. Um, and so it's interesting. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting how, uh, you know, obviously in Houston he won't play the exact same role. He won't have the ball uh, as much. Um, he's been hurt. Uh, but it'll be interesting. He to is see. hurt, dude. Yeah, yeah, he's been hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how, when that comes back, how him and James Harden share that responsibility and play off of each other. Um, but, you know, and then at the same time, Golden State Warriors are, are, are struggling a little bit. And, I, and I have to, we have to be hesitant to say that the Clippers are better. They have a better record. Uh, actually, they started out good with Chris Paul in the past. They've had really good starting off the season. I just feel but they we, look relaxed. They yeah, look calm. They yeah, don't look tense yeah. like, oh, my God, if I do this, Chris Paul is going to be, like, yelling at me. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we won't know if they're better or not until they get to the playoffs because so much of the NBA right now is so bad. You know, you have those top high echelon teams, um, and when they play each other, we get a chance to see where they're at, and they get a chance to see where they're at. But we really won't know the shakedown into the playoffs because they're all going to have – uh, some ups and downs that are, that are basically mental, not physical. You know, they're going to have ups and downs while they're trying to build camaraderie and continuity throughout the season. But when playoff time comes, how do they handle the adversity is going to ultimately tell us how good OKC is, is going to ultimately tell us how good Houston is, is going to ultimately tell us uh, where San Antonio is uh, right now. We, we You know, we kind of have a good idea of what that San Antonio program looks like. Um, but, you know, they're playing without Tony Parker early. Uh, they've got to re- re- rejuvenate. Kawhi, too. Yeah, but they've got to rejuvenate LaMarcus Aldridge, who needed some rejuvenation. And the young baby boy. Uh, yeah, balling. I just ballin'. wrote a story on him. He is doing Yeah, yeah He's doing good. Yeah, balling. And, and he's he's a kid who uh, – <laughs> I say he's a kid. To me, he's a kid. But he's a, he's a player who has a tremendous amount of uh, – even when he played at the University of Washington – he plays every game with, like, all his heart and passion and spirit. And I think, you know, for a guy to leave early and be the last pick in the first round, I think he got landed in the perfect situation for a guy that wants to be a long-term, uh, a long-time uh, professional. And he's handling that situation like a professional, not like a one- or two-year guy. Like, every opportunity that he's gotten. Has he made some mistakes? Yeah. But he's really 
playing with the the, the, the San Antonio way and spirit. And, and I think they love him down there, and he loves being down there. And that's the beautiful thing. Now, other D, since we got D two. Woo. <laughs> D Woo and D Watts, baby. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What trade, which team benefited most from all the trades that went down? I can name a couple of them, but which one do you think really said, okay, this can really help this team, whereas some of these trades, as you can see, they're not really helping Houston right now. You're missing your guy. I know he got hurt. That's just how it is in basketball. Players go down. I mean, you look at the Chicago Bulls. They give up Jimmy Butler. Chicago Bulls are wishy-washy. I don't think they're going to be good at the end of the year, but what team did you say, okay, they improved? Was it maybe Boston? Who do you think really took the lead for these trades that went down? Um, Honestly, I probably have to go with Cleveland. Um, I think that w- when you see what they what they have to, uh, what they're getting um, once he's healthy, um, it I think that it's going to be a big big improvement to that team. I think that you have now you have a, a point guard that can pass the ball, move the ball around that doesn't uh, have to come down dribble 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 for 25 seconds or excuse me 20 seconds and then get a shot off like in the last four seconds of the game or or the like possession and incorporates because if you look at the Cleveland last year, you look at when they played and when they won um, the year before, they kind of shared the ball a little bit more. I noticed some of the backup players had more of a role in the game. And last year, if you watch when they were playing Golden State, a lot of them were like, for instance, the last game of the, of the season, I think it was, where um, I forgot what player it was, but he hit a couple of threes at the end of the game. J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith got a little hot. But, I mean, I don't think that he really saw that he was getting hot. He should have saw the ball a lot more than what he did. Um, and I think that when you watch the Golden State Warriors play um, and the Golden State Warriors, you watch San Antonio, it comes down to they don't care who has who's hot. They're getting the ball. Like, they don't care who who's shooting, who's shooting good, who's shooting bad. Like, if somebody's hot, they're gonna get you, you're going to get the ball. Now, right? how much of that do you think plays into coaching? Because I know Pop, he is – now you always, I'm, you always like to ask this question. Yeah, well, it's a <laughs> like, good one. Yeah, I mean, but you got to understand that, like, you know, coaching in the NBA is something that players allow you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there are very few, you know, like, it's based on, it's situational in the so, players. So it's not like, you know, like how much coaching can Lou really do? You know, David Platt tried to coach. You know, like if they don't want you there, when, then true. When, yeah, when you're, you know, when you're in New York and you're trying to coach Carmelo Anthony, right? Like, how effective is that? But I would say he's to making two hundred million. You know, at twenty million a year or whatever, and you're making five. And if you try to coach him into something that he wants to do that makes him unhappy, then you have to go, and he has a no trade clause. I like the point you brought up though, because I remember in game, game four in Cleveland. Kyle Korver has a wide-open three. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to make that, right? Well, my I remember he didn't get any touches, and that kind of goes to your point about J.R. Smith. When was the last time Kyle Korver touched the ball? Yeah. That whole He didn't touch the ball the whole first half. And I think it's interesting. I think there's an interesting dynamic at play with some of these uh, point guards that you guys love. You know, they got the numbers and all of that well, stuff. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> um, I love but, but, you know, you, you get a guy like Russell Westbrook, right? And he's playing Stats. With, and he's playing with the number one scorer on the planet. And he, for some reason, doesn't want to pass him the ball. Makes no but, sense. But then when he leaves, he's willing to pass it all over the place to the tune of averaging a triple-double. I'm right there with you. Wouldn't that be easier to do with KD, KD. than without him? And, that's and it's, my th- the, it's the same thing, you know, with, with Kyrie going to Boston. It's like his squad now 
So he's willing to set a tone and a rhythm and a tempo and play like a winning point guard plays. Like he's getting his buckets, making his move, but he's also setting the table uh, for guys and making guys around him better. Are you saying why? LeBron is the guy that says no? No, I'm no. saying why Why couldn't you figure that out when you had King James playing yes. with you? Like, why couldn't you guys figure that out? Was it because King James wasn't willing to go inside the three-point line and cut, or was it because you were bouncing it too much so he was standing around watching you? But the, my point is, like, these guys are willing to – it's like, you know, their, their, their ego won't allow them to uplift their teammate mm -hmm. if there's a, a debate about who's better or who's worse. You know what I mean? And, 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 like, I haven't had a conversation with these guys, but this is just what it appears, right? Like, if I'm Kyrie, like, I want my team. I want to have my team. Like, I want to be the, I want to be the king on the team, you know? And it's like, if I feed this dude and he averages 50, then he's going to be the king so – like it's more of a competition between us out here than us competing against the other guys at times. Now I think when 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 Cleveland kind of lost Kyrie is when the discussion about having a veteran point guard came in, and then when they're playing that Boston series and LeBron. And so you're saying Deron, that got to his mental. And Deron Williams, when 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 Kyrie was sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter, cheering in a series of games. Right, like he was over there, but, but like I'm Kyrie, like I'm an MVP of an NBA All Star game. I'm this, and like I'm sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter. Like he, he didn't make any gripes publicly about it at that point. But if you're somebody of that level uh, and thinks that you're of that level, then when the season ends and this is all done and we don't win a championship, you know, like I'm out. Like I'm not, I'm not sticking around for for this show. You know, and I thought I'll say this about the Cleveland deal. I thought Cleveland got a great deal in Isaiah Thomas. I still think they do, but I think the D Wade LeBron relationship kind of undermines the grit and grime of the season of the team. Like, and I and I and I, I felt that way before they ever played. I know they have a comfort, they're buddies. But I feel like their relationship might impede the growth of LeBron's relationship with other people because he has his boy there. Now, he, they joke, they play, they run around. So it, it, it's a little bit different dynamic when you put Isaiah into that mix, whether when it was like when, when the idea was going to be like LeBron and Isaiah in the backcourt, and, the, and they're still going to be in the backcourt, but then them like really building a relationship and that dynamic with each other that then can guide that team. Now LeBron got his buddy and they, you know, they're laughing and they're joking. And, and I'm talking about off the court too. There's just a like an ease and a comfort with each other where they can kind of, you know, clown and, and, and not really engage with those other guys the same way that maybe he would if D Wade wasn't there. I will you know, say this. It's though. just my speculation. D Wade did take he did, so he was supposed to be starting. He started. Right. And then he realized his he production. Was, just wasn't there. Right. And I think J.R. Smith kind of took a hit, and you saw in his comments, he, I'm, I thought I'm going to be the star of this season. There's right. no question about it. I'm right. one of the best shooters on the team. You ask me to guard somebody, I go do it. Right. Why? There's no question. Right. And then he found out he wasn't starting, and he was, to be honest, hurt. And right. I can't blame him. But that goes to your point, LeBron's buddy. But I don't think it's going to come into Isaiah Thomas. He's had so much. No, I'm not talking about uh, Isaiah. Isaiah's too tough. That, He's okay. too gritty. He's too, but I'm just talking, talking about, the, about team. the dynamic between Isaiah and LeBron and how that needs to build and grow. 
right? Like it's like if if uh, well, let me ask if, you this: if, if if you and I, you know, catch up and 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 like we're powwowing, we're gonna have beers and, and watch a game and, and talk, and we got things to work through, like and, and we're you know doing that where we're working on the show or something, and then and like that's the purpose of us getting together, and then all of a sudden, Deron comes who's my boy, you know what I mean? And he wants to buy shots and drink, you know, or whatever. Now, our, the work that we have to do is not going to be done the same way because my homeboy's here who has nothing to do with what we're – not Not that D-Wade has nothing to do with what they're trying to accomplish. <laughs> I get the point you're going at. But there's a different layer of their personal relationship where they're like bros, right? And so then now when you got your bro, does, does, does Isaiah and your relationship, LeBron and Isaiah's relationship, build as naturally – as it would if your bro wasn't in the equation. I'm going to throw then don't mix family and business, man. That, that's Hey, that's what I'm saying. Because the thing is, to be honest, I don't know if Isaiah Thomas is going to even be a Cav- Cavalier next season because there's one player that comes to mind, and LeBron's, you talk about his friends, that's Chris Paul, and he only signed a one-year deal. And you know what that means? What did Isaiah Thomas do? One-year deal. I wouldn't be surprised if CP3 did, is did, coming to Cleveland. Did – did uh? Did Isaiah sign a one-year deal, or he's on the last year of he's, his deal? He's on his last year of his deal. Excuse yeah, me. He's yeah. on his last year of his deal. Because I know he's And I don't think the Cavs are going to. Back up the Brinks truck. <laughs> he wants a max deal. So, and I don't know if the Cavs are going to be willing to do that. We, yeah. So let's say they win a championship. Well, Chris Paul's still out there. Mm-hmm. You think LeBron wants IT or Chris Paul? Mentioning the fact that him and Chris Paul are banana boat friends with D-Way, with Carmelo. That comes up to Donald's point about the family situation. I think LeBron's going to say, hey, yo, bring Chris Paul in. Let's see if we can get another ring. Is he going to do that, or is, Le- or is, or is LeBron going to say, let's go to L.A.? Yeah. I don't think L.A.'s a spot anymore because of the youth. I don't know about Brandon Ingram, LeVar, <laughs> Lonzo. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you laugh. Wait what, a minute. What do you, what you, do you don't want, think what, they'll take LeBron and Chris Paul and, and I don't think Carmelo Chris, because of the youth? Well, the thing is, that team constructed that 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 team constructed right now is not a championship team. LeBron's all about what rings. That team is not coming out of the West. I know, but you you know, but, but we said everybody meet there. I don't think it's going to go down that okay. way. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't. I think Le, I, I think Chris Paul. It, it, I'm not going to say it'll go down that way, but I'm not going to say it won't go down that way because LA saying, is committed to their youth. <laughs> and the thing <laughs> is, that sounds crazy to me. LeBron, like I, we got Brandon, we got Ingram. We got Ingram. We're not going down the LeBron road. <laughs> like that doesn't that don't sound right. Not even saying that. I think LeBron wants rings now. That is exactly what you said. I think LeBron wants a ring now. That, so that more is exactly so the fact what you said. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll but stick. LeBron feels like I mean, if Chris Paul, Paul George, and LeBron James, I think he's gonna feel pretty confident about his ability to get a ring. And you're telling me with the, the back LA, with and those, you're telling me the LA is like ah. Eh, it's like, man, because we still don't know about Lonzo. He can't shoot a mid-range jumper. That's exactly why you bring Chris Paul in for a couple but years. But then who's coming off the bench? Lonzo Ball. Ah, that's not going to work. He can't shoot an elbow jumper. <laughs> anyway, now you sound like me. He can't shoot an elbow jumper. I mean, that's, a, that's the thing, Coach Mock's tutelage that, right there. That's, that's something you learned. elbow jumper. Bingo, and they need a and backup guard. He can't shoot a three-pointer either. Yeah. See, that's another thing. And you want him to back up Chris Paul? Yeah, rather than start. If you mm, try to win a championship, and they're not going to get that you far. You talking about LeBron is about rings. What do you think Magic Johnson is? LeBron. What do you might, think the mm, Lakers are? They're more about he, rings than anybody in the history in the of the rebuilding. NBA. You heard what he said. He said, "Hey, we got a chance to bring some key guys down this summer." Talking about 2018, next year when free agent market is open. Who said that? Irvin. 
Oh, so now you're telling me that, but then you're saying I they're committed think, to the youth movement. I don't think LeBron's going to go down to L.A. Man, he, you're talking about this side of your neck and this side of your neck. Hey, man, what's up? I'm letting you know. I don't. <laughs> I used to think that he was, but I look at it that team. It won't be because L.A. doesn't want him. Oh, that's for sure. We okay. know that. That's, that's what I'm saying. L.A. would – I think that's what I'm I saying. think 30 NBA I think 29 NBA teams would love to have LeBron outside think, Golden State. I think yeah, they might make it work too. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's get on to the NFL. We talked enough about the NBA. Oh, the, you got to get on to the sponsor first, man. You want me to drop the sponsor right now? Yes, sir. Right now, this moment, this second. And as we transition, we talked about this. You know, I was going to actually do it midway oh, through this conversation, but I got you to make D happy. We're going to go ahead and do the sponsor. This show is sponsored by Watts Basketball. You know, I'm actually throwing www.wattsbasketball.com for information regarding upcoming Veterans Day Clinic and Holiday Hoop Camp. Your kids are going to build confidence, self-esteem, skills on the court, and in life. Be sure to check out wattsbasketball.com, www.wattsbasketball.com. There we go. <laughs> now, we can transition to the my NFL talk. My transitions ain't wavy enough for Watts. He, there's now levels we, to this. Now we can transition to the NFL talk. So, NFL season, we're eight weeks in. Season's gone by. I can't believe it's already eight weeks, and we're halfway through the season. It's about time for your Super Bowl picks, all that good stuff. But we want to look at it for ratings. They've been on the, on the downside for the most part. And there's categories as to probably why. One of them can be this, the stance that Colin Kaepernick took a year ago, and it's still running through the league today. And then you have Trump's comments about players, and they actually reacted to, oddly, Trump's comments, but failed to miss, they failed to realize the message that Kaepernick had in place. And then also CTE, players dying. Parents wondering, should I even have my kids playing football in high school? When, do I, when, when is it safe for my kid to play? Maybe there isn't a time to be safe. It's football. They're trying to reconstruct helmets. Is that going to really help? Is it going to help ratings? Is it going to help protect players? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Is it going to yeah, help protect yeah, players? Yeah. Is it going to help protect ratings? What's it going to well, do? I, I don't have that information. Donald, it's going to help better, protect players, but you, I know that that's what they're trying to do. <laughs> and so I would imagine if you put experts in the room and you give them some money and they see that there's a need, somebody's going to come up with a helmet that's going to that's going to that's going to help. Do your thing. You know, they, I guess. I mean, there were less issues when they had leather helmets, right? Back in the day. Back in the day. They I said take to, them they off. They weren't trying to crack <laughs> each other so hard. I've already said take um, the helmets off. But, I mean, as it relates to ratings, I think I think the NFL is dealing with a couple things. Uh, and it, I don't think it, it, it is, you know, exactly the the drama that it, it is because I think the drama sparks attention. Feels um, it. Whether it's good attention or bad attention, I think what it is is a. There's two things. Uh, I think there's a hypocrisy uh, to the league when it comes to who gets to play and who doesn't get to play. Um, as far as like when you see there, there's a fraction of people who, when you see a guy uh, like Colin Kaepernick uh, take a stand and actually, um, and I wasn't a Colin Kaepernick fan, but actually take a stand for something, um, him being you know blackballed out of the out of the NFL. Uh, you know, I've said this before. You can't tell me that San Francisco couldn't use Colin Kaepernick. And you heard what they just right did, now. right? Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like what? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's all you know. Um, but and and other and other teams, you know, quite a few other teams. You know, Dolphins like, need a quarterback. Uh, New England needs a quarterback right now. They Brady is the only quarterback on the roster. 
Uh, Green Bay. Continue, Donald. Yeah, uh, so I, I, at the end of the day, I think there's a hypocrisy uh, in the league that there's a fraction of people who are, are turned off uh, by that. Um, and then I think the other thing is there's a uh, there's just an overexposure. Um, you got Sunday day, Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday, Thursday. games. You got fantasy football. Like it, it, it's it's saturated. It's it's so consuming. Um, it's almost like the the NBA season, you know, where it's like there's you know like you catch you miss this game, you just catch the one tomorrow, you know, because it's uh, essentially like every two days there is football. You know, every two or three days, there's there's football. You know, and you add college football on top of that, where a lot of people have alliances to schools and universities. You know, I'm I'm at the UW games as often as I can when it's over 65 degrees. Um, <laughs> I don't do the cold weather deal uh, for nobody's football. I actually went to the to a, to a great Seahawks game uh, yesterday. But yeah, I just think the, the combination of that you know, if you're a football fan and you you know are a college graduate or you have a college team, you're watching on Saturday, you know, some Friday nights, Saturday night, then Sunday mornings football. It's just not as, it's not as. I mean, it's special for your own team, but it's there's so much exposure to it, uh, along with, um, like I said, I don't think the the drama is turning people off because we as Americans we we tune in. To drama, but I think the hypocrisy in some of it um, is what's turning people off, you know. And then the the you, you go into the larger climate of the country and the divisiveness. And I think that there are people who feel like in a, in so many areas in our society right now. And I'm gonna get deep for a minute where you have to pick like one thing, one side or another, mm-hmm. right? And you just gotta draw your line and dig in. I think there's a lot of that, and there's there's a fraction of people, um, definitely in in football and in sports who have who have dug in. So you lost a few people uh, because of that. that. That's my opinion, as far as rank, ratings go. Um, I think kind of so same along the same lines with Donald, is I, I noticed that a lot of people, um, just not knowing what why Colin Kaepernick is did what he did. Like I think that what Trump saying what he did, that just really took every way, everybody away from what Colin Kaepernick was standing for. And and the thing that's funny about it is a lot of people that have an opinion about what Donald Trump is saying didn't even know the reason why some of the players were kneeling in the first place. Um, and that, to me, that that that's big. That's the big issue. Well, a lot of um, people don't care. Yeah, you know, they don't, they don't care don't. to know. They just want you to. They just want. Uh, Shut up and play. Right, yes. right. That's they it. just want you to be an athlete. Like they just and that's want sad. You to be, why, just, would, why do you want people just to be one guided? Do you yeah. tell a student just to know, just get yeah, 4.0 and know, don't worry about anything I else? Mean, that's dumb. I know, but people feel like they're paying for their ticket for you to entertain them, and that's all they want you to do, and they don't want you to use that platform and whatever. And it, it, it's it, it it's uh it's amazing, and it's not amazing. It's frustrating. Um, that at this time in in society that we would be in that place in 2017 with, with our athletes where we would we we would ask them to just be athlete like just just you know just shut up and play kind of deal um it, you know after our history with Ali and 
you know, the war and like all of those different things. It's like we're almost right back in that place. I guess this is what it's just yeah, in sports. I guess this is what America again looks like. It's you sad know, for, for a lot of people. I really yeah. don't you know? get it. Why would you want Odell Beckham not to speak out? Why would you want this player just to go out and give you touchdowns and that's it? I mean, and, there's no substance to that. And I I know like there you know I mean nobody wants to hear somebody speak about something just because they have a platform and they're not educated on it. There's um, a difference, though. Yeah, no, there's there's a there's difference. A huge difference. And and and, and uh, I think in Kaepernick's situation, he took his time. He, he really did soul searching. And, he and, asked a and veteran, he con- <laughs> and he was he was he was you know convicted by about what he did. And you have a lot of respect for that. Another guy who who is really um, pushing this thing forward, and I think in a really smart way, and and kind of from on both sides can really listen and and talk and understand is Doug Baldwin. Yeah, uh, I think he he has a tremendous perspective uh, of being you know African American and also being from a family of law enforcement, um, and I just I, I love the conversation that he has around it and the way that he's embracing uh, people and energy and and he's like uh, uh, I don't know it's like if more people could really take that approach and and really I feel like he's really listening. Um, to both sides, but he's also like talking. And I feel like anytime uh, where there's things in culture that need to change, people, there's, there's always factions, this side, this side, but, and, and, you know, it's like the yin and the yang and there's balance, right? But those people that are in the middle that can bring people toward the center to start having some, some real discussions and some real compromise and, and keep the ultimate mission uh, and the objective uh, in mind, which is to, to serve the people of this country, keep people safe. Uh, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think, I, I think the ahead. I think with the owners, uh, a lot of a lot of things going on with the owners as well is that they're kind of contradicting themselves as far as um, kneeling with the players, but only kneeling with Jerry the players Jones. because they're oh. mad at what Donald Trump said and showing that they're with the players, and then two weeks later turning around and telling them that you need to stand or you're not playing on my team. Um, I think that that's contradicting. Um, and I think when the people, when, if I see that, you know, and the players see that, um, that's going to make me want to say, you're not, you're not with us, right? You're only with us for a certain purpose. And we all know that, I mean, and speaking in my, my personal feeling is like as far as Donald Trump, like the only reason why he said what he said is because he's upset at the NFL for what happened years ago as far as wanting to be a part of the NFL when he was with USFL, <laughs> right? right? A lot of people don't mention that. Nope. A lot of people kind of smooth and glaze over that. And he says he's a patriot, but really what it boils down to is that he's still upset at the NFL for something that happened years ago. And I think, like Donald said, is that we need to, we need to get together and look at it from different perspectives because what it comes down to is some people are telling some people how to act or feel how they should feel about something that never happens to them. Or when they should express it. But And, and, and we're going to – this will transition nice into our, our, our next topic, but I think one of the things that – and, you know, we've talked about social media on this show a lot. I think one of the things that has really um, happened, and we get back to the ratings conversation and stuff like that, and the exposure – another way there's exposure is there are – within kind of every segment of life, there are these cultures and, and like established norms that have essentially been 
hidden, right? Whether they're wrong or they're right norms. There's the NFL locker room and the things that go on in the locker room. There are like owners meetings and what that culture is with, with a bunch of um, older, old money, white America. There is an ideology uh, that has been existent um, for a lot that hasn't really been public knowledge. It hasn't really been challenged. And in our age and era and social media, whether it's the the Hollywood, um, you know, sex scandals, the Me Too, those things are are unfortunately established norms. Um, there's some of these attitudes uh, towards players are unfortunately established norms. When you when I heard Donald Sterling say what he said and being from where I'm from and growing up in the South and growing up in like my attitude or approach was it, I wasn't surprised that he said that from being from that generation from from his economic socioeconomic status at his age there's a lot more people I what I was surprised is who he said it to that he had the the nerve to say what he said to his you know African American and Mexican girlfriend right like that kind of took some some you know some balls um but because of there's, you know, she had a device to record it. And because um, there's always a camera, there's always a microphone, some of these things are being exposed. Uh, because people have their own following, right, they can come out on their following and say, hey, you know, Harvey Weinstein uh, sexually abused me, right? And it doesn't have to go through a movie. They have a million followers. And so now all of that is, an, all of those cultural norms are being exposed. And I think a lot of people are taking a step back and saying, whoa, what have we been supporting? What have we been buying? What have we been uh, consuming? What have we been been purchasing all of this time? Like, is this what we're, when we go to the movie theater, are we supporting a culture of sexual assault? And then that's making people become more conscious of what's going on as these, uh, these, you know, social norms in different environments get uncovered. And I think that has a lot to do uh, with the rankings. I think it has, a, uh, with ratings. Uh, and I think it has a lot to do with, uh, you know, some people's, and the hypocrisy that I was talking about, and some people's displeasure. It's not new. It's just newly exposed or things that you could just turn your back on and just say, ah, oh, that's why, you know, that's how it is. I have a friend who, you know, and a couple friends are in Hollywood and you just, you know, you hear about a casting couch. I've never had a desire to be in Hollywood because that's not, you know, like, but that's that's a norm. And now that is going to it's going to change. And that's a good thing. You keyed on newly exposed. Well, the FBI sure as hell did that to the <laughs> NCAA. Oh, Told you it was going to be a nice transition. Oh, my goodness. Now, real quickly, I just want to hear quick thoughts for those that are wondering what's going on. In the FBI. If you don't know, I'm going to run through it real quick. They were turned upside down when the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, laid out findings of FBI investigation uncovering mass corruption, bribery, fraud, involving some of the top programs in basketball. Fellas, Donald, you send kids to colleges. You get them ready, prepared. What are your t – give me a quick two-minute answer. What's going on? What, what? Why would you do this? <laughs> why, why would you do what? Why would coaches take bribes? Why would they – I don't. it doesn't make so, sense. You yeah, so – so, um, and, and I, I think, let me say this, I think, and Coach K had, you know, an interesting uh, take on it. And, and he did. It, you know, that things need to change. He said, this is not how you run a billion-dollar industry. It's very true. We've talked about playing players. we talked about different stuff and developing. And I think the most important thing about what he said 
was that, hey, before we ever get to recruit them, they're already being recruited. True. By shoe companies, they're being, and so there's a there's a, a cultural norm that's established, and I'm not even gonna say a cultural norm, it's very clear, you have to be very clear about this. Th- this is a very elite class of basketball player that is receiving these benefits. But you have a grassroots structure that has been built to identify the elite class of basketball player, right? And the players, and this has always been my problem with some of the summer circuits and AAU circuits, you're taking kids out of school, you're doing this, you're not preparing them for life, you're just giving them stuff because they're talented and you have a a pool of talent. You have like this pool of talent, which they're trying to find the next LeBron James. And so you have the top half a percent of the 1% that are going to play college basketball for one year that are getting paid to go to a school. And then when they, those kids are coming from different environments where they need money, they need resources and you have uh, people around them that will give them the money, will give them the resources, but in an exploitive nature because they don't know what they're in for. And they're trying to steer them to their financial firms. A 17-year-old kid, you know, in, in financial firms that prey on those kids before they ever get a check because they're anticipating the check that they can get. And they're trying to build trust uh, with these kids. And the coaches at at, at the coaches that have been indicted, those coaches uh, build trusting relationships with those kids and steer those kids. And so there's this 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 funnel, right? And when you started, you said it's widespread. I don't think it's as widespread as it is. It is a cultural norm when you reach a certain peak. Right? You know, when you get to, we're only talking about the power five conferences for the most part. And then we're talking about like the, you know, some of the top, schools and the top players that'll go to those top schools in in the power fights conference but what has happened is you you have a shoe company and they have all these teams all over the country and they sponsor and fly them around and they compete and in those tournaments they identify who those guys are who they absolutely need to have in their shoes when they're professionals and then they start to groom and build that relationship and what i think we need to be talking about is what's going to happen to the grassroots basketball as a result of it. Like what's going to happen to the Nike EYBL? What's going to happen to the Adidas gauntlet? What's going to happen to the Under Armour? And all of these people, when we played basketball, you had to find a community sponsor to sponsor you so you can go on a trip. Yeah. Right? And we're going to have to go back to that, which could be a good thing if our communities – are sending kids who are being responsible or sending kids who are doing their schoolwork or sending kids that are actually going to have an opportunity to go to college and be successful and not just um, looking for kids that are talented and going to go to the NBA and then the kids who think they're going to go to the NBA and aren't concerned with school or academics or whatever that aren't ultimately going to make anything out of the opportunity. Uh, that they present. So I think that's the bigger conversation. Obviously, the schools, the NCAA, they're going to take care of all of that. But what's going to happen to these kids who have had an expectation and built up a sense of entitlement because they've gotten free trips, they've gotten it. That whole thing is done. You know, it hasn't come out or hit Nike the way that, um, you know, like Nike kind of started the 
whole deal. Uh, and it hasn't hit them publicly the way it said. But, you know, there's word that the Nike grassroots people have been told to look for other opportunities within the company because uh, that thing is going gonna, is gonna to change. Yeah. And it's going to change on every all of the shoe companies. We don't want to spill too much of the beans. Nah. We, we want to get some guests on here to also <laughs> go deep into that. But is there anything else you guys want to add before we shake? Deron, uh, floor is yours, man. Sponsor, <laughs> <nah>. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I, I mean, I, I agree with D. Like, um, yeah, they're just exploiting these kids, man. It's, it's, it's a shame. Exploiting them, like, um, like you said, that uh, the one thing that it might do that that's positive is it might get kids to stay in their community, and that and that's the one thing that that me and D talk about a lot. Like, we want the kids to stay in their community because you want to be able to go to the gym and play with the kids that you're going to be playing with, and with this Nike and with this AAU, what they've been doing is like a lot of kids, they're kids that are in West Seattle going way over to Bellevue. And now with this, this might have them come back to their community and 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 build something in their community, work on their game, work on their game, and everything, and then get that state championship with their high school at their community and not somewhere over across the lake or something. So I think it could be a positive. And that's how you that's how you do it right there. Yeah, and then I mean, one of the things, and and I'm gonna say this, and we can close out. Yeah, when you when you make a kid feel like he's a pro. When he's not a pro, that's a bad thing. You want to feel like you're a pro when you get drafted or when you sign a contract. You don't want to feel like you get pro attention when you haven't established that kind of work ethic, when you haven't established that kind of dedication. You don't want to make a kid feel like a pro, lying him around, doing all that stuff, just because he has talent. Because when you do that, you're setting that kid up for failure, ultimately, in the majority of situations. But if you take that same kid, and you say, hey, man, you got talent. And if you develop this work ethic, if you develop this commitment, then you're a pro. Now you're setting them up for success in life, even if they don't make pro in basketball, because they've developed a professional's work habits. They've developed a professional's approach uh, to the game and to life based on a dream and a goal that they have. And I think that in all of this, uh, that you know, getting the top kids signed to the top players, signed to shoe companies, we've lost some of that for our kids that aren't that top kid because they're looking at it like, hey, I'm D1 or none. Hey, I'm this, I'm that. And then when it doesn't work out, they're crushed. They're crushed. I've, are, I've seen it too often. I hope you guys are taking notes because that was deep. Donald, you did it in a minute. I'm proud of you, man. Progress. <laughs> this has been another episode of The Real Spill Season 2. Brought to you. Brought to, oh. Brought to you by Watch Basketball. <laughs> Make sure you get to watchbasketball.com. Check out our upcoming camps, Veterans Day, and our holiday hoop camps. Uh, we're going to have an excellent time uh, building confidence and skills that will have you scoring big on and off the court. That's how we end I'm it. Donald Watts, D-Woo. D-Woo. Chris Kidd. And you have been listening to The Real Spill. Peace. Out.